Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we are bringing you the story of Brittany Wood. It is a missing persons case from Mobile, Alabama, our hometown-ish case for today. We are both transplants, but we both live in Mobile right now. So that's why I say hometown-ish. But grab your cocktail, buckle up, and enjoy your ride on the Hot Mess Express today. Toot toot. Beep beep. Welcome back to another round of bartending with Sloan. For the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing like mimosa-ish stuff. To kick it off, we're going to do an apple cider mimosa. This is inspired by Brick and Spoon. It's a brunch place near us. Fell in love with this about a year ago and it's about time I brought it to you. (laughs) So, apple cider mimosa. They do a caramel and sugar cinnamon rim. I did not have the patience for that today, but if you do, highly recommend. So, champagne flute, rim it if you want to. If not, skip to the next step. Then I poured the Prosecco into the glass, about half full. And then optional, I added a shot of caramel Smirnoff vodka to it. Because, you know, get a little extra litty if you want to. If you don't, it's good without it. And then also top it with the apple cider. Any apple cider, we just have regular. You could do caramel, cinnamon spice, whatever the heck you have on hand or can find in store at this point. And that is your apple cider mimosa. Make it as easy as you want or as litty as you want. Either way, enjoy. All right. So as we said, today's case is Brittany Wood. And I know Sloan usually does our Southern crimes, but I was struggling to find a case that caught my attention. And this one, I was scrolling through, like, our different streaming networks that we have, like, in their true crime section. And the there's on um, Peacock, there is a series, it's a series, a documentary called... Um, what's it called? Monster in the Shadows. It's three episodes. And it is all about this case. So I watched that and did research. So they're kind of like simultaneously in this notes. But I saw that and I was like, wait, this takes place in Mobile? Why don't I remember it? And then it started getting into like some of the stuff. And then like another part of the case. And I was just like, I remember that. So. That's just a little backstory on how this, I guess, I came to I did not live here, so I do not know. Yes. So. Back in 2012, which is pretty much right about, I'd say, the time I moved down here. Because I've definitely been down here for... If not 10 years, almost 10 years. But in 2012, 
19-year-old Brittany Nicole Wood left her mother's house on May 30th between 7 and 7.30 p.m. Brittany said she was going to see a friend named Courtney. Her mother said she can vividly remember her standing like in the front yard of her house on Leonardo Drive in Tillman's Corner near Mobile. I know where that is. Right? I lived there <laughs> when I first moved here in a paid day-by-day motel. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Tillman's for probably about a year with um, Logan and our friend Crystal and apartment complex. So yeah, like this is all like literally as I was like going through the like basically the notes of this and then watching that the series, I was just like this is so surreal because you're showing places that like I drive by all the time. And it just like when you're doing cases and researching that, like, if you don't know the area, you're just like, all right, another case. But, like, when it's one that you're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I know where that is. Like, I don't know. It just, like, I feel like it hits you differently because it's not so distant from you. It's easy to feel like these things would never happen to you. And it's important to especially as females, to know that this could always happen to you. And I don't say that in a terrifying, like, I'm trying to scare you way. More of a, always keep a fucking taser and pepper spray on you to protect yourself and anything else that you can to protect yourself. And it's sad that we live in a society where that has to be the case, but it is. And especially, we, like we said, yeah. we live in Mobile. We live in, in a, a high human trafficking and I did the TikTok golden ratio thing, and I fall on the spectrum to be kidnapped. Damn it! <laughs> I thought my piercings and that were supposed to turn these people off. It makes you more memorable whenever they share your footage. Not to turn you off, necessarily. Just gonna get a giant but tattoo all over my face. I dare a motherfucker to try. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to our case. Uh, so, Brittany said she was going to see her friend Courtney, and her mother remembers Brittany like walking out of the house, and then her mother was standing in the front yard of her house in Tillman's Corner, and basically watched Brittany go out the front door with her pink or teal tote and walked across the front yard and down the street until Chessie could no longer see her. And this is the last time her mother ever saw her. So, some would be quick to say, oh, she's just another teen runaway. She was 19. She's just being a teenager Blah, blah, blah. Well, Brittany wasn't just a normal teen. Her and her mother were extremely close. They, like, yes, they were mother and daughter. There was that relationship. But, like, they were close to the point they were, like, best friends. And also, 
Brittany was a mom herself. At 17, she had a baby girl. And she was raising this baby with the help of her family. So the fact that somebody could think that she would just, you know, pick up and leave without any, like, saying anything and leave her daughter behind, it just, for the family and, like, someone that's looked into the details of this case and that, it's, it's not something I see happening. So, we're going to get into her family in just a little bit, but I want to kind of focus on her disappearance first. So, like I said, she left her, her mother's house on May 30th, and we don't know much about what she did prior, like, in that day, but we do know that about 7 or 7.30, she left the house, walked to the end of the street, and got picked up. So, her mother called Courtney. Oh, nope, I missed, I missed a bullet point. Sorry. <laughs> so. Sorry, future Trish. Right. <laughs> Sorry for having to edit this. <laughs> so, her mother has kind of mixed accounts of the day that Brittany left. Because in one interview, she said Brittany was in a good mood. Nothing seemed, like, wrong. All that. And then in the documentary, she says that Brittany seemed aggravated and, like, frustrated and whatnot. And when she kind of, like, asked her, you know, hey, what's going on? Where are you going? She said, you wouldn't understand and that she would be back later. So her mother called Courtney, the friend, to see, like, what was going on. And Courtney told her there was no such plan to meet up. So if I'm a mom, that's like red flag number one. I would probably be like, all right, <laughs> we're about to go out driving. We're going to see if I can find her and figure out where she went. But, I mean, to each their own. I'm sure she probably trusted her daughter and was like, she said she'll be back. <laughs> so... The family later finds out that Courtney was not the one that picked her up. It was actually Donnie Holland, who was Brittany's uncle. He picked her up at the end of the road, and the two then traveled an hour to the to a house near Sticks River in Robertsdale. Which, if you know Mobile, you know Sticks River is, like, kind of where you go to have, like, your little tubing experience. You just float down the river and just drink all day. I've lived here for five years. I've never done it, and I want to do it. <laughs> I've, I've done the river tubing thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm Southern. I've done it. I have not done it in Mobile. Yeah. And Sticks River is kind of, like, on the Alabama-Florida line. So, like, that's why, I guess, it's kind of like a gray area. People don't really, cons like, it's, I guess, still technically mobile, but, like, it's so close to Florida that a lot of times we're like, yeah, it's basically Florida. But, anyways, they went there to this house that Donnie was staying at at the time. 
Now, phone records show that Brittany was texting and calling friends throughout the day, but all communications stopped about 11.30-ish. At about 11.36, all calls were being forwarded, forwarded to her voicemail, and her phone pinged for the last time at 1.47 a.m. in Grand Bay. Which, if you don't know, Grand Bay is the complete opposite side from where she was, at least last seen. So, yes, that is a long time period from 1136 to 147, but, like, still. It also makes no sense why she would be in Grand Bay, because... That's nowhere near Tillman's. So, there's just a whole lot of gray area right there. So, two days after Brittany disappeared on June 1st, well, she disappeared on May 30th, but on June 1st, Donnie Holland was found inside his SUV in a secluded area with a gunshot wound near the back of his head. Donnie was airlifted to a hospital in Pensacola, Florida, where he succumbed to his wound. His death was ruled a suicide, but many, including Brittany's mom, believe he was murdered. And another kind of reason, like, for this, they go into it in this documentary. So, in all the articles, they just make it seem like he just drove down the road till he found, like, a secluded area and was like, all right, this is good as place as ever. No. He was, like, 45 minutes on... He lived in Sticks River. He drove across the bay and found a place to apparently shoot himself. And his wife and like a friend of theirs are the ones that called first reporting it but they weren't even there they were like elsewhere the mom somehow i think they said how she ended up i think she ended up getting notified and so like they sped over there and yeah it was just, it's a whole, there's so many, like, details about this case, like, just that we're either, like, the police haven't really, like, done the fine detail work of, or, like, it's just stuff that people have deemed not important and dropped from articles. But, like, it's just, it's very fishy. It's very fishy. And the gunshot wound for it being ruled a suicide, you know, normally suicide someone's gonna hold it to their temple this gunshot wound was back behind like at the pretty much at the base of the skull behind the ear which you're usually not going to go there because it could slip like anything like that it's not a common place for suicide. It is, however, a common place if someone's sitting behind you or beside you 
that they could go and know that they could control the gun. He is believed to have been shot with Brittany's handgun, which was found along with her cell phone battery in the vehicle. The gun, ironically, had been purchased by Brittany, like, just, like, maybe a week prior to her disappearance for her protection. So another coincidence was that Donnie was found 30 minutes before he was scheduled to meet with former Baldwin County investigator Eric Winberg to discuss the ongoing sex abuse investigation. Which that whole thing, I think, is the main reason why this case is still unsolved. Because that investigation... Although it is a win, it is also something that overshadows this case. And if you look up any articles relating to this case, her missing, it all ends up funneling back to the sex abuse ring. Which is also the thing that I am guilty of remembering about like this whole thing. I don't remember hearing about Brittany Wood. I probably did, but then... It became about the sex abuse. So I'm going to talk about that investigation. But first I kind of want to stay on the whole Brittany thing. So when the uncle was found and everything. Brittany's family tried to call and reach Brittany. To let her know about her uncle's death. And when they couldn't reach her. They began to worry, and they filed a missing persons report on June 2nd. So at this point, she's been missing for three days. Her mother said four possibilities ran through her mind. Brittany was running away. A serial killer had come into town, which she was hoping it was not that, because those cases obviously go on for years, usually. Number three, like we said, this is Mobile. We are in the midst of how many highways intersecting. You have the whole fear that human trafficking has happened. And then the fourth one is that someone they know had taken Brittany. As I said, there is a giant kind of gray cloud hanging over this investigation that ends up overshadowing a lot of this, but I feel like it is a good look into like what possibly could have been a trigger for her going missing and possibly being murdered. And that is this sex abuse investigation. So... We all have family traditions. It can be like, you know, where family dinners happen, get-togethers, like whose house you go to for holidays, stuff like that. Sports teams, anything like that. This family's little tradition was not something so wholesome. It was the sick and unusual thing, and it's like the more I got into it just like it just puts this like pit in your stomach and that is 
they were forced to engage in horrific acts of sexual abuse, beginning for one girl when she was still in diapers. According to court testimony reported by the Associate Press, the girl that testified said that she was often forced to have sex with her adult relatives and often in a group setting. She said, we would be in a circle and we'd, and we'd all switch up. She testified in 2014 during her Aunt Wendy's her Aunt Wendy Holland's trial for sodomy, sexual abuse, sexual torture, and child endangerment. So it was discovered that this tradition was carried out against children in the family for about three generations or more. And it's... It's just, it's one of those things that, like, like I said, the more you get into it and you kind of look up, like, stories that have come out about it and, like, who was all involved and everything, it just, like, you're just like, oh my gosh. So, the perceived, like, ringleader of the sex ring was actually Donnie, according to police, said the sex ring came to light after Brittany went missing and her uncle was found shot in the SUV. And her, basically one of her other uncles is the one that kind of blew the whistle on all this. His name was Randall Scott Wood. He's known as Uncle Scott. And according to the documentary, at least 11 people have been, like, cited to be a part of this sex ring. And some of those include Donnie Holland, Wendy Holland, who Wendy actually ended up getting, like, 200 years in prison. She is the, I think they said she is the most, like, sentenced woman in, like, Alabama history. I'm just like, ugh. So you have Donnie and Wendy. You have Mendy Kent, who is Wendy's identical twin sister. Dustin Kent, who was married to Mendy. And then... Sadly, the police actually said that Randall Scott Wood was involved, even though if you look at his testimony and everything, and, like, you go, you watch the series, you'll see, like, no one truly believes he was a part of it. Because there's only one person that claims that he was a part of it and that one person was one of the victims who at the point was losing her dad or had lost her dad to apparent suicide her mom was going away she's never going to see him again her two brothers who were also victims had been ripped apart and adopted by someone else so she essentially had her whole family pulled apart and the one person 
that she could blame was Uncle Scott. And police also said that he was one of the smartest people ever. So if he's so smart, why is he going to blow the whistle on something that he's involved in? It, it makes, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of things in this case that I feel like police were just like, all right, we got something. We can go on it. And we have a few cop friends in this town. Like, there's some cops that we absolutely love here. But a few good ones does not make a whole police force good. A cab. <laughs> um, another person that is said to be involved in the sex ring was Derek Wood, who is actually Brittany's older brother. And he himself was also a victim. And then, which is just, to me, it's just sad because you have someone that was a victim and he probably was just like, pretty much kind of forced into it because he didn't, you gotta think, you're not knowing any better. You don't learn about things like other families really do until you get out in the world and you start communicating with other people. And by that point, Maybe he was already part of this. He didn't know. And like at that point do you like. It's like smoking. You can't just say okay I'm going to stop. It takes time. Another two people involved are. Nelton Morgan and William Brownlee. Who were family friends. So I mean it wasn't just the family. It's like just people from all around. Like their inner circle. And like I said, the documentary said there's at least 11 people charged in these the sex ring, and there could be more. And there could be, sorry, there could be even more victims that we don't even know about. So, at one point, Brittany's mom, Chessie, was also arrested in relations to the sex abuse ring. And she adamantly denied being involved in any way possible. She passed a lie detector and everything. Like, they show her interview with police and that. And literally, like, police basically, I feel like, wanted her to be involved because she was pushing back so much about Brittany's case that they didn't want the negativity. And so they were like, I mean, this is your whole family that's going under. You had to have known. You have to be involved. And they even said that one of the victims named her and put her and Donnie in a, like a sexual relationship and then had and like they called the one victim into the bedroom and like did stuff and that and she was like none of this ever happened she goes I don't find my family attractive in that way I don't like little kids like that no the this case went to court the victim that apparently named her, wouldn't testify. They omitted her lie detector test because 
it wasn't favorable for the police. And then in the end, they didn't even charge her with anything like child related. Well, I mean, like anything like sex abuse related. They pretty much charged her with like, oh, what was the the wording of it? It basically reckless child endangerment. They said she knew about it. She did nothing to get her children out of the way. She got no jail time. She didn't even get like probation. She got probation, but it's not even like the one where you have to check in. It's the one that they are like, all right, you're on probation. Stay out of trouble. It's one of those ones that like you can sit there and be like, she has to be involved. You can think about it that way. But in my like listening to the details and everything and what like everyone has said and that I feel like it was kind of like the police, the few bad apples of, you know, the police saying she's asking too many questions. She's putting us in a negative light. We have to shut her up. What best way than to charge her with something that we know the public's going to turn on her for? And, like, the lawyer that was helping her out and, like, other people that have, like, been involved with just trying to do you know the Britney side of this said her getting arrested for the sex abuse stuff pretty much lost any like public backing for Britney people started accusing her of killing her daughter making her go missing they said that she knew what had happened to Britney where Britney was she just wanted the sympathy. She wanted, you know, to get money from people. It's horrible things. Horrible things. Multiple stories and sentences came out of the sex abuse ring. It is kind of a victory because we did break up this ring and it takes these sexual abusers, like, off the streets. Does it get everybody? No. But it is a small win, but like I said, it is something that I feel like overshadows Britney's case so much. Now, Baldwin and Mobile Police have both been involved with this case. And if you don't know, you have Mobile County and you have Baldwin County. Baldwin County is basically if you go across Mobile Bay to like the Foley area, like Basically where the rich live in Mobile. <laughs> if you traveled to Pensacola Beach or most people travel through Destin, if you go through the Mobile Tunnel, if you go anywhere, like if you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. Once you pass through the Mobile Tunnel and you go across that big body of water, everything beyond that land <laughs> looks so shiny and like... <laughs> Christine. That's Baldwin County. <laughs> That's Baldwin County. <laughs> if you go the opposite way, you come out of that tunnel and you look like you go, where the fuck did I end up? That's Mobile. You're like, I do not need to get off any of these exits. If you all. are coming across the bay 
and like you end up being in Mobile. If you look directly to your to your left, you'll see the Mobile Prison. Let's just say you want to hold out. <laughs> you want to hold out for Bucky's. Yes. <laughs> you, uh, you either want to stop at Bucky's before you hit Mobile, or you want to stop at Bucky's after you hit Mobile. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a different world. You know when you're in Mobile, and you know when you're in Baldwin. Amen. But Brittany lived in Mobile County, but the last known place that she was seen was in Baldwin. So that's why both Mobile and Baldwin were involved. They're they're kind of synonymous with being always like involved in a lot of cases because you have people that are like do like crimes in Mobile and they end up fleeing over towards Baldwin or vice versa. So they end up like basically crossing paths a lot. So basically police both police forces have been working on this case but they haven't really come up with much. Now like I said Brittany was last known to be with her uncle in Sticks River area. Um, and yes, her phone last pinged in Grand Bay, but after searching the area, it was ruled that Brittany was not ever with her phone when it was in Grand Bay. And that the battery was taken out. And that's like it. Brittany's phone has never been found to this day. The only thing from the phone that has ever been found is the battery. So, it's been 10 years since Brittany went missing. It is believed that at this point she is deceased, but she is still listed as a missing person. There have been many tips and searches made, but basically they have come with no results. At the home that she was last seen in, there was a new concrete slab that was placed in the backyard right about the time Brittany went missing and it took years for that slab to be investigated because there are so many people that basically said that was put in right as this girl went missing and this was the last place she was known to be seen and you're telling me that that doesn't seem fishy to you so they used like ground penetrating like radar and found nothing. But also I feel like yes, that's going to show you some stuff, but I feel like it has been known to miss. So I feel like it's something that they should just dig up and look under, but can only do so much. The Mobile Police Department has kind of taken over managing the case. Like I said, they believe that she is dead, but she is labeled still as a missing person. Um, and also, like I said, at this point, neither her phone, like herself, any of the items she had with her in her tote when she left have ever been found. So... I mean, there's things that I don't know if we'll ever find them, but maybe someone, someone out there listening knows what happened to them. 
So in an article I found, Chessie said that she was starting to plan a funeral for her daughter in May of like this year, but I have not been able to find any confirmation that that ever happened, so I don't know if she has yet had a funeral for Brittany. Like I said, I feel like the sex abuse ring has severely, like, overshadowed and, like, kind of put Britney's case on the back burner. People are so, like, invested in the sex abuse ring that Britney is just, like, a casualty of it. Now, it is believed that, like, basically just days before she vanished, Britney, like, there's records that Brittany exchanged face Facebook messages with a victim of this circle. And that Brittany basically was going to expose the sex ring publicly. And that's when her uncle kind of stepped in and basically, they believe, got rid of Brittany. Whether that is... Selling her off to somebody, murdering her, whatever. So, they definitely believe that the uncle is involved, but the problem is he's dead. So, you're never going to get any answers out of him. They think that the wife, Wendy, is involved, but Wendy is in jail for the rest of her life. And unless she has this sudden, like, pang of, like, guilt, probably never going to get anything out of her. Another person that they believe is possibly involved is her ex, Bradley, who they never give me a last name, but he was emotionally and, like, kind of physically abusive towards Brittany. Now they don't, the family has never been able to kind of really figure out how, like, Brad and, like, the uncle and Wendy and that could have, like, gotten together to, like, basically create this plan. Other than the fact that Brad, I'm sure, had met the uncle in that at some point. But, like, what's going to make you reach out to the uncle? So, it's just, it's very up in the air. The family definitely says they believe that, you know, the ex is involved somehow. But they definitely think that Donnie and Wendy are the ones that committed the crime. So, on the off chance that Brittany is still alive, some descriptors from the time she went missing is that she stands at about like 5'1 or 5'3. Just depends on, I guess, what who you ask. She weighed about 105 pounds. With a thin build, she was last seen wearing a blue tank top, blue denim shorts, and flip-flops, and carrying a pink or teal tote bag containing extra clothing, with a red curling iron, a makeup bag, and a cell phone. She has dirty blonde hair and blue eyes, with a lip piercing, and she has the name Peyton tattooed on her, leg, her left leg, because that's her daughter's name. And she would currently be 30 years old. 
She's also a white woman. But there is a $1,700 reward for information leading to locating Brittany, whether that's her still alive or her remains. So this is a case that I feel like if people can get past what her family has done and start looking at what happened the day she went missing and what maybe led up to that, that maybe it could get solved. So, like I said, this is a local case for us. I know that we have some local listeners. Yes, some of you are transplants like me and Sloan. You probably have not heard this case, or if you had, you you're like me, you remember the sex abuse ring. But it's one that I feel like it deserved to be out there. It deserves to get people talking about it more. I know that the family was able to get a billboard up. I don't think it is still up, but it was up on 65, leading into, like, the airport area. So... Like I said, it's a local case. I'm hoping that one day it will get solved. Next time I see some of my cop friends, I'll be like, I need an investigator. I need to talk to them about Brittany Wood. (laughs) I need answers. (laughs) But I guess with that being said, we will kick you off to the last call. All right, it's another last call with Sloan. Today we're going to talk about fun facts about Mobile. I know we just talk shit about Mobile, but it's actually a pretty fun place to live I in. I mean, it has its it has its little quirks. It does. It does, and it has a lot of historical history here, both like government history and haunted history. Yeah. So Trish gets into a little bit of our haunted history over in Patreon, so if you're interested in that, head over there. But today I'm just going to talk about Mobile. So one, Mobile has four different nicknames. The Port City. Yeah. That's common. The Azalea City, which is very much rooted in our history. I would we say have, that's definitely historic. Yeah. We have Azalea Maids. They're like debutantes essentially, but more, not like 16 year olds. Think like the, um, Oh, was it like gone by the like gone, gone with, with the, the wind, wind with yeah. the big poofy dresses yes. like that? That's it's that's our Azalea Trailmaids. If you are familiar with Gilmore Girls, D A R, yeah, but with poofy dresses, that's what Azalea Maids are. And like they're different colors, so and they have different meanings behind them, which is a whole nother thing. Yeah, maybe we'll do that on another one. Anyways, another one, the city of six flags. I've never heard that. I don't get the reference. Maybe I can look into that in the future. I was like, yeah. And the gateway to the Gulf. That one makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> if you look at a map, you'll understand because we're literally on the Gulf. Well, and like Alabama and Mississippi are uh, twin states essentially, but Mississippi is straight. Like there's nothing that goes up in it. Alabama and our little stick figure at the bottom, we got some waterway that goes straight <laughs> up the middle and that's the Bay of say, Mobile. We have, we have like a little arch like of <laughs> land and you have like the Mobile Bay right there. 
I will try to remember to post a map so y'all can, <laughs> so you'll know what we're talking about instead of trying to envision it. Two, Mobile is the ninth largest port in the United States and the twelfth busiest. Makes I mean, sense. Yeah, if you ever do like go over, I think it's called the Cochrane Bridge. You you do see the barges and that, and it's like it goes by the shipyard and everything. When we did our dinner cruise, we saw, we saw all of the barges. barges. Yeah, we saw all of the barges. There was no sunset; it was all barges. <laughs> we are also home port to Carnival cruise ship line. Hey, anytime we're going that way, we look for the fin. Yes. So currently, we are housing Carnival Sensation. Um, before that, I can't remember which boat it was, but I had. I've definitely been on that one. It was like Carnival Elation, I want to yeah, say. Know. I've never been on a cruise. <laughs> we will go, Trish. <laughs> we will go. I have been on several cruises. Next birthday. Hey. <laughs> hey. We have a year. Hey, we have a year. This birthday is going to be better than a cruise. <laughs> We're going to go pole dancing. And I'm not ruining, I'm not ruining a surprise because she already it knows. Was something that was planned. Okay. Yes. But we're going pole dancing for Trisha's birthday here in a few weeks. Anyways. It's exciting. <laughs> Three. Red fire ants were first introduced into the U.S. through the Port of Mobile in the 1930s. Why? <laughs> Why? That is the worst thing to see, like, in your yard is the, like, fucking mounds. Looks like a freaking, um, like, land like mine because you're just like oh god if I go and kick that over they're going to ascend and I'm going to be miserable. I have stepped in quite a few of those ant piles yep. in my day and it's like some of them are big and you can't miss them and some of them are small and so you like don't realize it until like you're on it and all of a sudden you're like why am I like why is my foot on fire? Yep. Yep. Number four Mobile is home to five MLB Hall of Famers. Oh. Hank Aaron. Yep. Duh. Billy Williams, William McCorvey, Satchel Paige, and Ozzie Smith. Satchel Paige, okay, yeah. I only know of Hank Aaron. I mean, yeah, but like Satchel Paige, I'm like, okay, that, that explains the one road. Five, Mobile was the first city in Alabama founded in 1702, 117 years before Alabama became a state. Not shocking, because like we said, we are a port city. Yep. Six, Mobile is home to the Mobile-Tensaw River Delta, which is the second largest in the U.S. Mobile is home to, quote, America's Amazon, one of the largest wetland ecosystems in the world. Yep, and if you ever are leaving Mobile to drive north, you have to drive over it, and it lasts forever. Yes. Seven, Mobile is the rainiest city in America. Fight us, Seattle. It is the rainiest city, okay. With more than five feet of rain annually. However, we have an average temperature of 72 degrees and we boast 220 sunny days per year. Yes. So what that means is when it rains, it fucking pours. Yes. For like, days. Yeah, like, yes, I get it. Like, Seattle, it usually rains every day there, but it's usually like... you. You have people it's live in Seattle and they go, I don't even have an umbrella because it'll be done in like five minutes. It's now, like, yeah. it, it fucking poured here the other night. 
and <laughs> we're always under a flash flood warning yeah and it was i remember i like got home and i'm sitting there eating my dinner and all of a sudden i just hear a monsoon outside mm-hmm. and i was just like oh my gosh and so then i was just like sitting there i was like maybe it stopped nope here's another wave my next fact is not a fun fact. Oh, gosh. In 1860, the Cl- Clotilda, Clotilda, the last known ship to illegally smuggle African captives into the United States, sailed into Mobile. Many descendants of the survivors still live in Africatown, just a few miles north of downtown Mobile. Soon you will be able to experience the story, of resili- the story of resilience and sacrifice of these survivors through Africatown experience. And once again, if you're driving north on I-65 and you don't get off on one of the side roads to cut over, you will drive through, like, Africatown. There is a bridge. It's painted. Yeah. It's it. That's the Cochrane Bridge, but people know it. Some, it so it just depends on what name you know it is. Mm-hmm could be the africa town bridge or the cochran bridge it just it's one of those ones my family where they live if they're if like they're coming to go like across the bay or on the causeway they drive through africa town yeah and so it's definitely like a spot that is well known around here and it has a lot more historical significance than i think a lot of a lot of history but like they've not built anything to let people kind of really get to know it. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, Mobile is home to the Mobile Museum of Art, which is the largest art museum from New Orleans to Tampa, Florida. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Maybe we need to go. We definitely should go do that. Yeah. Add it to our list. Add it to the list. Number 10, and the last fun fact, on New Year's Eve, Mobile drops the world's largest 600-pound electric moon pie. Oh. I, th- I think we've covered this yeah, in passing. we brought it up, I think, for, um, I forget what, but yeah. Yeah. During the street party, you can also dig into the world's largest edible moon pie. Edible I or... I sharing nothing with these Mobilians, okay? Edible <laughs> or edible. <laughs> Clones like I need the special. <laughs> I would share an edible. <laughs> Join the second line, watch live entertainment, and ooh and ah over the fireworks show. So, the I did say that was the last fun fact, and we've covered this other one before. We've talked about it. We've debated it, but there is a very big argument over <clears throat> whether or not Mobile is the home of Mardi Gras. They claim that they are. New Orleans claims they are. They claim to be Twin Cities. As transplants to this town, Trish and I don't think that Mobile hold a candle to New Orleans in the least bit. But But. they are very proud of their heritage here. And they believe that they are the hometown of Mardi Gras. And we go pretty fucking big. Like, yeah. Mobile does not have a lot of shindigs. They do compared to the rest of the coast, but not like compared to normal large cities. Yes. But Mardi Gras is the biggest fucking shindig of them all here. It's ridiculous when it's Mardi Gras season. Like there's parades. Weeks the, and, and weeks and weeks on end. Yeah. We got the king cakes. We got it all. 
moon but eyes. <laughs> like i said as transplants you can't hold a fucking candle new to new orleans in I our mean, opinion yeah. but also with new orleans i feel like they only have the one parade really mm. they do parades like weekends and weekends too it's just they have the big yeah. fat tuesday yeah and i mean we do fat tuesday too here but because we live here, we see the small parades, the big parades, the middle parades. All I and know is Mardi Gras season downtown. Nah. Mm-mm. No, we're going to Uber. <laughs> couldn't pay me to go down there, really. I Oh, man, nope. <laughs> I, I I want to go to-, to experience it one time. But I also feel like if I'm going to go and face the crowds for that experience, I would rather go to New Orleans but then I got to pay for a hotel. Okay. And here, yeah, I just got to pay for an Uber to get my ass home. Yeah. Also going to need some edibles to get through the anxiety of dealing with all those people. <laughs> I'm sure I can find some friends in the streets. <laughs> hey. But thank you for hanging out with us today. You can find us on social media. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. They are all tequila she wrote across the board. And we also have our email that is tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up for as little as $2 a month. You get ad free episodes and you get a bonus episode. And then if you pay a little more, you get even more bonus content. It just kind of all depends on what you want. Easiest way to find us there is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, or you can go to our socials, click on our link tree, and click on Patreon, and it should send you directly there. If for any reason you are not able to find it, reach out to to us. We will try to direct you to it the best we can. And yeah. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Thank you.